Welcome to In-House Legal with attorney Paul Boynton. It's everything in-house, legally speaking. Technology, business practices, trends, and controversies important to corporate counsel. Welcome to the Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could listen today to In-House Legal. I'm attorney Paul Boynton, and I've covered the in-house community for over six years as a legal journalist, and now have my own media consultancy. This show is sponsored by Council on Call and Huron Consulting Group. The Federal Circuit recently sided with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office in ruling that the USPTO did not overstep its authority in adopting new rules some companies and patent lawyers claim will stifle innovation and fundamentally alter patent practice. The USPTO says it is drowning in a backlog of patent applications, and the new rules, first proposed in 2007, will help to streamline filings. The rules aim to limit the number of patent claims and the number of continuances a party can seek. Critics, however, say multiple claims are essential for protecting innovations. The Federal Circuit in Taffis v. Dahl, however, boosted the USPTO's initiative and pushed the rules closer to final judicial approval. Joining me today to help decipher this important decision is attorney James Hoppenfeld, a partner in Robeson Gray's Intellectual Property Group, in its Washington, D.C. office. James specializes in intellectual property litigation with a focus on patents and trade secrets. He has tried cases and worked on appeals in various federal courts, including the Federal Circuit. While with the U.S. Department of Justice, James represented the United States in a wide variety of patent and intellectual property matters. Welcome to the show, James. Thank you, Paul. Well, James, if you would, please tell us the immediate impact of this ruling. Uh, The authority of the USPTO to promulgate these rules. That issue has been pretty much put to rest, right? Well, I would certainly agree that uh, this decision uh, comes close. I'm not going to say it does put to rest, but comes close to putting to rest the Patent Office's authority. The Patent Office now can look forward and say, yes, we do have the authority to make rules of these types. But as for the immediate impact right now, there is no immediate impact other than it preserves the status quo because there are still decisions that need to be made by the district court below before these rules can go into effect. And just, just to remind your audience, there were four rules at issue here, and one of them has already been struck down by the court. It's the other three now that the Patent Office is looking forward at. Is there something for everybody in this decision? Uh, the rules were upheld in part, as you noted, rejected in part and remanded for further consideration. Break it down for our listeners and, and just give us a clear sense of what to expect short-term and uh, perhaps a little bit longer-term. Sure. Um, I think there is, in some sense, something for everybody, although I'm sure that the everybody's in the world are going to disagree as to how much there is for them. For the Patent Office, you have to be happy that you now have some authority or, uh, to make the rules that you want to make to try to adjust your backlog and what the Patent Office calls throughput, the ability to get the patent applications through the Patent Office. Uh, it's not 100% set in stone for them, but they, the sun is rising on the horizon. For the complainants, that is the people who are immediately trying to get the rules overturned, while they might not have won a clear victory in the appeals court and gotten all of these rules shot down, what they have done is bought some time, and they have still some procedural uh, ability to buy more time. And things could change between now and the time that these rules would actually go into place. And finally, we have the courts who 
have issued a decision that effectively preserves the options of the courts going forward. The most important people, of course, are the people out there in industry, in-house counsel. And is, is there something in this opinion for them? Well, that depends on who they are, and uh, it's going to affect different companies in different ways. James, are we still in limbo in a bit, in a way, uh, since the case has been remanded to the trial court for further consideration of the merits of the rules? Uh, it seems to me the trial court could still overturn the rules on the basis that they're either arbitrary or vague. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, the trial court can still take the three remaining rules that have not been thrown out and throw them out on those grounds, although it would be hard to do that. Now, there's really two ways that we're in limbo. We're not just in limbo because this could go back to the district court. We're also in limbo because the federal circuit could potentially revisit this issue and bank, and it's not clear whether that will happen yet. Very good. Uh, Some intellectual property lawyers claim these rules will fundamentally alter patent practice and threaten innovation. Is this doomsday scenario a bit overblown? Well, I think it's fair to say that if these rules do ultimately go through, and some some chunk of them probably will, it certainly will change patent practice. Will it fundamentally alter patent practice and threaten innovation? That might be a bit far-fetched. A lot will depend on how in-house practitioners and patent prosecutors adjust to the new rules. I think over the long term, the adjustments will tend to mitigate against a huge change. So... Your assessment of those that are making these uh, very dramatic statements, I mean, what's, what's their agenda? What, why are they making these claims if, as you say, it's probably uh, not as exaggerated as they perhaps make it seem? Well, the rules have different impact on different players in different industries. And it's really not so much at an industry-by-industry basis, but different players within pockets of different industries. Uh, the, the principal effect here is an economic one. The, the rules as, as promulgated by the Patent Office and the chunk that will go forward are designed to force uh, patent prosecutor teams to make judgments early about what inventions they need to invest in. There are some people in industry, especially in industries where there's a long lag time between the time that you invent something and then the market accepts it or it becomes useful those portions of the industry have an incentive to try to delay the patent prosecution process and delay, uh, delay the investment, if you will, into, in, into the inventions that they are trying to patent. And that makes good sense for some of those people because, like I said, they have a long lead time before they know which inventions are, are valuable. And uh, those people who are in that group, are, they're the ones who have the biggest uh, stake in getting the rules changed because the rules would try to shift the balance toward making those decisions a little bit earlier. That's why I think there's some of those doomsday cries because that it's come, it comes from people in that particular scenario. We're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we will talk more with attorney James Hoppenfeld. Here on Consulting Group's Legal Consulting Practice a leading provider of consulting and business services to corporations and law firms, helps align strategy, people, processes, and technology to meet the goals of the organization. We also help prepare and plan for all phases of discovery in a legal dispute or investigation. We establish an effective records management program that creates cost savings and enhanced productivity while minimizing risk. Check out Velocity, the first comprehensive e-discovery solution. For more information, visit us at www.huronconsultinggroup.com. 
In-house departments are under pressure like never before to cut costs and quantify value. For the last decade, that's exactly what Council on Call has done for Fortune 1000 companies. Whether the need is for e-discovery or contracts, IP or employment law, or anything in between, Council on Call's experienced attorneys provide quality legal services at tremendous cost savings. To schedule a meeting to discuss your company's situation, visit counciloncall.com or call 866-487-7319. It will be the most profitable time you spend all year. Welcome back to In-House Legal. I'm Paul Boynton, host of In-House Legal. I am joined by attorney James Hoppenfeld, a partner in Ropes and Gray's Intellectual Property Group. We're discussing the recent ruling by the Federal Circuit that impacts the, potentially at least, the uh, rules promulgated by the USPTO's office. James, if you would, could you please give your assessment of how these rules will impact patent practice? We were discussing that, but if you could just lay that out uh, a little bit more detail on what uh, we can expect uh, if these rules actually do go forward. Okay. If the rules go forward, um, well, first of all, it depends in what form they go forward. One of the things that I think will happen is that the Patent Office is going to look at this decision, and it may make some new rules and some changes to, it may tweak the rule that was thrown out. And that could, that could of course, really affect the equation going forward. So that's an important caveat that I need to put up front. But let's say these rules go into effect, and what they will do is they will make it more expensive, for lack of a better word, to file patent applications with lots and lots of claims. Now, it won't be impossible to get the claims you want. You'll just have to file more applications, or you'll have to spend more money by providing additional documents to do that. Again, what that means is it depends on how you are situated within a given industry. If you have an invention that you need to get through the patent office very quickly, the rules could have an effect on you because they do limit some of your options, and they could impose some additional costs on you. On the other hand, if you have uh, an invention where there's a long delay between the time when you know whether that invention is going to be something that's going to be accepted by the market, the rules also affect your cost-benefit analysis as to how you're going to decide whether or not to make the investments that you need to protect your intellectual property. For example, if you're a pharmaceutical company and you have a new drug that you think is pretty good, but it has lots of variations on the theme, and you know that only one of those variations is really going to make it in the market someday, you're going to, you might need a lot of claims to protect that invention. So what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to look at these rules and see how you can economically get the claims you need. So uh, we've mentioned the pharmaceutical industry. Are there any other industries that are particularly keen on, on this situation? Biotech, for instance? I don't think that there's any particular industry that stands out in my mind. I think, again, that it's more pockets within industries. It depends on the kinds of inventions that they're claiming. And we also have to keep something else in mind, which is that the Patent Office has been taking steps within the existing rules that they have to try to reduce this claiming practice um, by, for example, forcing uh, patent applicants to divide up the claims in their inventions um, into separate applications. So for a lot of people, the change is going to be, in that sense, there's going to be a little bit less of a change. But uh, again, I don't think that there is some, there's any particular industry that stands out in my mind. 
is that's going to be specially affected. Very good. Uh, for those uh, that aren't intimately familiar with what the USPTO has uh, promulgated, could you just break that down in some detail to explain what it is that the uh, USPTO is trying to accomplish with these new rules? Yeah, there's really two things that these rules were trying to accomplish. Uh, on one hand, they were trying to limit the amount of so-called serial applications. You file a patent application, then you file several applications on top of that. And two of the rules were, were designed to attack that problem. Of those two rules, one was struck down. That was the limitation against so-called multiple continuation applications. And another was held, upheld, which uh, had to do with so-called request for continuing examinations, which are very similar to continuations but not quite the same. And that was sort of a split decision with, of course, the caveat that the Patent Office might be able to tweak the rule that was thrown out so that it will actually be allowable in a slightly different form. The other two rules address the issue of these multiple claims, that is, patent applications with more than 25 claims, which the Patent Office feels is burdensome to examine. In this case, both of the rules that the Patent Office had promulgated to address that problem were upheld. Uh, basically, what those two rules say is if you file more than 25 claims in a patent application, you're going to have to provide a whole host of additional documentation to the patent office uh, in order to uh, proceed with those claims. So one thing is important to know, these rules, as promulgated, will not prevent you from as filing as many claims as you want. What it does is it says if you're going to do it, you're going to have to pay more, and you're going to have to do things that are going to cause you to do a little bit more homework. James, uh, last question. Let's look into the crystal ball. And if these rules are finally approved by the trial court and survive any sort of uh, challenge on appeal, what, what's your assessment? Will these new rules decrease the number of patent filings? And, and if so, what does that mean as a practical matter? And will these rules allow the USPTO to really chip away at the ever-growing backlog of patent applications? Okay, let me take the number of patent applications question first. And I, I have to give you a lawyer's answer, which is it depends. It really depends on the cost-benefit analysis that every firm who's filing patent applications makes. Uh, there are some people who are going to be encouraged to file more applications, and there are others who will be discouraged. If you're a firm who looks at these new rules, which force you to make some decisions a little bit earlier in the process and make some investments earlier in the process, and you decide, you know, these investments just aren't worth it for us, you might file fewer patent applications. On the other hand, if you're a firm, for example, like that pharmaceutical company that must have coverage because that is just make or break for them, and they can't afford to take any chances, they may feel that they're forced to file more patent applications. Now, I can't say how many firms are out there in one category or the other, but what I can say is that these rules is easily cause applications to increase as to decrease, which is something of the irony. Now, the second question was, will these rules allow the USPTO to chip away at the ever-growing backlog? Well, of course, part of that depends on how patent counsel around the country react to these rules. And, uh, and we've already seen that on the application side, uh, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, my personal feeling is that after an initial period, patent prosecutors will adjust to the rules and try to maintain as much of the status quo as they can, and that there will be a little bit less of a change than people probably expect. 
and that ultimately it's not going to have a huge effect on the backlog of patent applications. The patent office is going to have to do a little bit more in order to address the backlog issue. So the hue and cry perhaps is overblown, but remains to be seen. James, thanks so much for your insights today. Uh, Fascinating. Uh, Before we go, please provide our listeners uh, with your contact information. Yes, um, I'm James Hoppenfeld at Ropes and Gray in Washington, D.C., and uh, my email is james, J-A-M-E-S, dot Hoppenfeld, H-O-P-E-N-F-E-L-D, at ropesgray.com. That's R-O-P-E-S-G-R-A-Y dot com. James, thanks so much. You're welcome, Paul. We hope you'll join us for another in-house legal show. Thanks for listening today. I'm Paul Boynton, host of In-House Legal, your online source of the news and information in-house lawyers need to stay ahead of the game. Thanks for listening to In-House Legal with attorney Paul Boynton. Hot topics for the in-house lawyer, legally speaking. We hope you'll listen to the next edition right here on the Legal Talk Network.